ATM, you know I don't put them graphics on the screen. Glad you tapped in now, stay tapped in for the team. Hey, everything is posted. Go follow the socials. South Harmon FF tag, I said we get notice. Welcome to South Harmon, we glad you here today. What's going on, shitheads? Welcome back in to another episode of the new podcast, Highly Detailed. Episode four here. As promised, we're going to get into breaking down your league mates, assessing them and microanalyzing them and utilizing that as a baseline for how to move forward and the different type of strategies you can use in your league, depending on what they are doing. Now, you're used to seeing Highly Detailed come out every week up until this episode. This one's coming out later than just one week release. And moving forward, I just got a new opportunity doing some content in New York. I'll be in New York City every other weekend. So right now, the plan is going to be moving from an every single week release to a bi-weekly release. Trying to adapt and get used to this new content workload. But don't worry, we're still coming hot and heavy. Highly Detailed will be there for you just on an every other week basis. Now, when it comes to film, you've probably watched Film Breakdown some way, shape, or form on players that you're going to play with in Dynasty, right? Players you're looking to draft. You're looking to break down film. Essentially, watch some tape. Watch some of the games, some footage, how these players play, right? You're going to be looking for a multitude of things throughout this. Um, You may be doing it yourself. Maybe this is something you do. You have some All-22 access. Or you may even have a content creator that does some film breakdowns for you and goes over some things you should be looking for, some traits you're looking for, things that are good and bad. So you're talking about when it comes to film in the dynasty space, you can go, you know, really quickly, we could go down this analytics and film rabbit hole, right? Is it film? Is it analytics? Which side do you stand on? Are you somebody that uses film at all? Do you completely not care? Do you kind of have a blend? Are you film heavy, right? Do you tend to value film over the analytics? But when it comes to film, when you're watching that, you may be watching a specific receiver. Okay, so let's say you're watching a 2024 rookie or any any rookie coming into the NFL. So you're going to watch some college tape on him. You're probably going to be looking at things like how nuanced is he as a receiver or conversely, how raw is he as a receiver? Like, does he play in the slot exclusively? Because sometimes if you're just playing in the slot exclusively, you may be considering that maybe maybe they're hiding him in the slot. Maybe he's not that athletic or he's going to have a problem if you have to put him outside uh, against man coverage, someone that's more athletic than him, right? Can he play outside? Does he have the athletic traits combined with that footwork and finesse to really beat corners at the NFL level? Really good athletes. Mano y mano. In in this new age that we're looking at with receivers, a lot of it is can you separate? Is your footwork separating from the corners and the DBs out there? Can you separate right away and then go get yourself open to make a catch? There are some receivers that are not necessarily as nuanced in their footwork. They aren't necessarily as quick, but they win, right? As opposed to winning with your separation off of the line of scrimmage or versus press, whatever way you win in that quick release. Maybe you're someone that wins at a contested catch. So you don't necessarily separate that well from a receiver, but when it comes to contested catches or um, big time plays, that's somebody you can see on film. They do that very well when they have the the opportunity in front of them, right or wrong. (laughs) That's something that you can say, all right, well, he doesn't separate that well there, but even without separation, he makes contested catches. You could think of a guy like George Pickens for this. Now, again, this is not really to tell you right or wrong which one you should be valuing if Pickens is good or not. That's not really that's really not for this podcast, for this debate here. Now, when it comes to this, you know, college film, you have to put in so many different things. What type of level of competition are we playing against? Right. Is this a team that plays in the Big 12? Is it Pac-12? Is it they're going up against 
inferior defensive opponents, right? This, these conferences score a ton of points. And are they playing at a higher level? Are they playing in the Big Ten, the SEC? They're doing some really good things against some really high level of competition. What can you find sometimes in film that won't be in analytics? What can you find in film? You can say, man, this was an unbelievable route and catch, but only is going to show up for four yards or six yards on a stat sheet. But that type of winning, right, that type of separation and that great contested catch, even though it didn't amount to something incredibly well in analytics or isn't going to break down, even if you get to advanced metrics, that's something you can see in film that really makes you feel good about a player, right? Or conversely, Maybe you watch film, the analytics are great, but because the defense isn't that good and we're playing against weak defenses, maybe you find out in film, <laughs> much like Quentin Johnson, you basically, he only runs one side of the field. Uh, maybe there's a struggle with contested catches. Maybe there's a bunch of things when you start watching film that this player lacks currently, and then you start having the discussion, okay, because I'm seeing this and watching this, is this downside something that he can be coached on, something he can learn later? What is what is the current package of player that I'm looking at and what can he be in the future, right? A lot of times you'll see people draft that are projection heavy, right? So they kill the combine. On film, you see things that can be translatable to down the road success in fantasy, but right now they don't necessarily have that or they don't offer that. So we're projecting, right? And sometimes it's the other way around. We're going to say this player, because he didn't do well in the combine film, probably out on the NFL level. Point is when you're watching film, whoever you're watching, why do I really want this player or do I not? You start deciphering for yourself the traits and things that you value on film and decide if he's going to go up or down your board. But you're studying that and you're taking all of this nuanced information and you're trying to apply it to your process. And now while I don't want to downplay the importance of looking at film for all these players, it's something you absolutely should utilize. I do too. It's going to help you differentiate what players you may want to invest in or may not want to invest in for your dynasty fantasy football team. And while that's important, why does the film process stop there? Like, why do we stop there for taking a in-depth look at the game for these players when that really isn't the way we play the game? The game we play is versus the teams in our league. We play the game versus the other 9, 11, 13 other managers in our league. And the reason we're going to start here with strategy is while you don't actually have a, a true game film to watch, right? You can't pop the tape in turn on the mp4 file your league mate this is one of the most overlooked things in my personal opinion and the reason we're going to start here this is the baseline for me this is the baseline i believe no matter how few or how many leagues you're playing in that the baseline should start we're playing a game versus an entire batch of teams and managers and players the market in your league specifically is going to be dictated by the other people in your league you can have a process that's fantastic, but if you play in a largely inactive league, that process is going to be thwarted. That process needs to be adapted and manipulated in order to handle that market. Mike or myself or someone else that you listen to tells you to make a trade or a move. If they don't have that context, we may be telling you, hey, you should take that two for one because you can probably flip that first that you get in this teardown. Now, all of a sudden, you're money ahead. Well, I'm not saying you should still shouldn't want the first, but if this is a largely inactive league and that's one of the five trades that happens, you're not going to be able to make that work. If you're in a league where the market says there's three teams that have all the first round draft capital next year and almost in 2025 is largely picked over by these teams as well, the leveraging and future capital is already spoken for. 
the market in your league is going to be very different. And likely those teams, in order to have all that draft capital, they're going to be kind of picked over as far as their really high end or even most of their players pool is going to be considered. Now you're talking about nine teams, probably with this scenario, all trying to compete and your tradeability player for player is going to be a lot different, especially in the early part of the year until some of these teams maybe have no choice but to realize they're not going to make the playoffs. A lot of different things in just the market dynamics, but specifically with film, right? You can do this with yourself. You can see things that you're doing or not doing. One of the ways that I was able to clearly see and early on find out, man, there are some leagues where I am not doing enough this year. You can learn that about yourself, but one of the most underappreciated and very easy to find things is about your league mates, how they play. I want to watch film. I want to see what they have done. I want to know everything that there is about their tendencies, how they play. And you know what? Here's a real life example from my sophomore year in high school. Very late in the season, going into the most important game of the season for us, playing our rival school, who was at, in first place in the conference. We're 13-5 and five and they're 14-2. and two. Going to play at Manchester, they'd already beaten us earlier in the year. One of our main players, the starter for us at center, 6'8 kid, his name was Ted. He was actually from Manchester. And being from there, there was some talk in the offseason in that summer that he may go to his hometown. CBCA was a private school. Threw that out there and then ended up coming back to CBCA. The reason that's relevant, going to Manchester, they were known for heckling. And best believe they were going to heckle Ted to the nth degree. They had probably all kind of inside information to mess with him during the game. Turns out he gets the flu uh, the week of the game. He misses practice all week. Ends up coming to school Friday, the, the day of the game. Big game at Manchester. And while you may have heard of Jordan's flu game, not everybody's built to play with the flu. Apparently, it was just too much for him. He couldn't stomach going out there. But that's all right. I've been waiting on this moment the whole year. And not really, not really prepped for it. When the moment comes, the moment strikes, you got to be ready. And when it gets to film, we are playing Manchester and had a kid by the name of Jordan Petratus. In Ohio in Division Three. the player of the year this year, was his name was O.J. Mayo. You may have heard of him. He played in the NBA, went to USC for a year, was the top recruit, top kid in the country. There was nine players which make the first team Division Three in Ohio. So you had O.J. Mayo, player of the year, first team, averaged almost 30. David Lighty, who you may have heard of, he went and played at Ohio State. Kid by the name of Danny Borcher, also averaging roughly 25. Uh, he actually was the beat us in the Elite Eight, uh, the reason we didn't end up going to states. Richard Samra from Lutheran West, who we talked about on a previous episode, um, they were undefeated the following season. And Jordan Petratus, who was uh, playing for Akron Manchester, averaging 25 a game. One of the best players in the state, especially as far as scoring goes. Point is, I've heard all about this kid. And with Ted being out, Coach Peters is going to thrust me into a starting role. I'm going to be playing center, doing the jump ball, and my job was to guard him. So, listen, I, I'm up for the task, but we're definitely going to have to get in the film room, right? We're going to have to get in the lab and start taking a look at some film. Now, this is going back away, so it's not as easy as it is nowadays where you could just get all kinds of film. You could probably get every single game you wanted to. Uh, there was two games in particular. We had the game versus us that we played earlier in the year, the game that Manchester had played somebody else. So I had these two games to kind of really dissect and look at Jordan Petratus' game and what I was going to do. Kid as talented a scorer as him. There wasn't a lot of weaknesses. Now, one thing I would always continue to watch was he really liked to catch and shoot. So he liked to come off screens. He would love to catch and shoot for threes especially. He could put it on the floor a little bit. Not a super great ball handler, but uh, he could do enough with the, the ball in his hands, kind of create for himself. And typically, though, if he put it on the ground, he was looking to get all the way to the rim. That was one thing I kind of saw, that he didn't really do a lot of, you know, one, two dribble pull-ups. Um, it was typically... Maybe he put the ball on the floor and still take a three or a deep two. But basically, once he put it on the ground, he was looking to get all the way to the rim. This is it's a senior, strong kid, kind of play a little bully ball down there. At this point, I am kind of a 
wiry thin, let's call it wiry strong, but, um, you know, sophomore, tall, skinny kid, um, with, with some athleticism, but definitely undersized and had a lot of developing still to do. Uh, he had me for sure in the strength department. So my plan is basically going to be while he is, you know, tall kid about six, two, I'm six, four. And one thing about me is I got, I have a six, eight wingspan. So the way I was going to approach it, I wanted to make sure every time he's coming off of screens, I'm literally right on his hip, making sure I'm, I'm staying with him the whole time. He is not getting clean looks unless I get absolutely tore up in a screen. There's nothing I can do. Basically, I'm doing everything I can to make sure he is not comfortable and my length is in his space enough to where he's got to put the ball on the ground. And if he did get down low, make him kind of try to score through me. I would either block a shot if he gets into my space or making him score over hands, making him score contested looks. And a kid like him, he, he don't even know who I am. I mean, I, I played the game prior barely. I had one point. That's how minimal um, my impact was in the game prior to this. A lot of things in my mind, but I have a process and what I'm planning to do from watching film and kind of really assessing the way that Jordan played the game, the way the offense ran through him. Now, while watching this much film, I mean, I watched every single day I watched film at the school, also would take it home, had a copy of each game to take home and watch. And I was very much like focused on this. I knew what was at stake. If we win this game, we get a share of the conference title. It's a huge game. It's going to be a very, very loud, wild atmosphere. So we get there, right? Get off the bus. Before the JV game even starts, we open the doors, go through the gym to cut the locker room. And they already have the banner up from this season, Pac-7 champs, right? This is the last game of the conference. If we win this game, mind you, we we get a, a share of the conference title. Like <laughs> they, they basically were kind of throwing it in our face. They're up six, nothing early. And all of a sudden, after about three minutes, are really kind of letting this, you know, atmosphere <laughs> settle in. And one thing by watching film so much, I got to see that they kind of had some Swiss cheese defense inside and um, they didn't really know who I was. They didn't see any film on me before this. I was somebody that didn't really play. They didn't, I wasn't a threat at all. So because of that and seeing how they were vulnerable inside, there was a lot of plays and situations where I'd cut to the basket really slash hard with the idea of either making somebody foul me or going straight through their chest, going straight into there and scoring a basket right at the brim. Score one, score two. Next thing you know, we have an 18 to one run. We are up 16 points, which in, at high school this early is a huge lead. And you could tell by about the last part of the first quarter and definitely the second quarter, Petratus was getting irritated. He did not like, you know, this, this kid that's just <laughs> wiry, just chasing him everywhere, not letting him get anything easy. You know, kind of really started getting to shoving and, you know, getting physical. He's getting getting irritated. I knew I was doing what I needed to do to piss him off. We go into halftime up 29 to 17. I have 13 of those points. Petratus only has seven at half. The momentum, the the energy in that locker room, everybody was hyped, but we were we were we were dead set on making sure we finished this thing out. We outscored them in the third quarter. A lot of more back and forth. Uh, Coach Peters ended up giving me a quick blow, and Jordan had a couple um, baskets at that time. So they're they're kind of pacing us still here, but we're up going into this fourth quarter, up 14 points. So like, man, all we got to do is not mess this thing up. And at that point, when you're down 14, you get to a lot of chucking, right? I mean, they're just they're doing everything they can to try to come back. He only scores seven field goals throughout the entire game. Four quarters, they're down double digits for the large majority, and he is trying to get shots off any which way he can. He scores seven field goals, and everything that he got was highly contested um, when I was in there. So he made a couple pretty tough shots, and he got a bunch of you know points at the line. None of that really probably happens to the degree it did, and there's absolutely no way we win this game if I didn't really do my homework and figure out what made Jordan tick, what made him a good scorer. Not that he couldn't do a multitude of things, but I wanted to make sure what he liked and what his fortes were, I was trying to make that very difficult for him to score in that fashion. Now, with that in mind, as we switch into Dynasty, when I go to do a team review, 
a league review, whatever it is, one of the first things I'm doing is I want to know everything about the way the other team is built currently, the way it's assembled, what are the transactions they've made, what are the transaction offers back and forth with you. Is that frequent? Is it infrequent? What does it look like player for player, pick for pick? What are they offering to you? And with other transactions they made with other managers, how can I see what their tendencies are? What do they like to do? What don't they like to do? Now, while if I watch film in a sports reference, I probably want to take away um, what you do well, right? I probably want to make it difficult for you. Now, when you go take a look at film, let's call it right, with the idea of this, it's not as simple as saying, oh, I see what they're doing and you can technically play defense on them. There's going to be times you can do that. It's not as clean cut as far as the comparison goes. When I'm looking for tendencies, sometimes I want to know what they like to do. What are they drawn to? What's the way they want to play? And I'm almost in a way going to shadow that way or shade that way, right? If I know you want to go baseline, maybe I'm going to actually like open up my stance to get you to go to the baseline, knowing the moment you get to about, you know, two, three steps before the block, here comes a trap and we're going to trap you. We got you right where we want you. See, sometimes it's letting them get what they want. Often people are pretty one dimensional. What I mean by that is not saying you can't do more than one specific thing when you play the game of dynasty, right? Because I've played with some people that are pretty high level and they play a multitude of ways. But even some of the best players, they play one dimensional. What I mean by that is they're looking at it from a lens of their team. They're looking at how they can strategize and make each one of their teams in the best way to succeed relative to a large majority of leagues almost. So even at the high level, all that is going to basically factor in none of the elements of the specific individual league. Now, this doesn't mean that they are not capable of going and looking through and trying to make deals with certain teams, but that's kind of just starting point, in my opinion, to really get into the weeds. And this is where I think the foundation is going to start for the strategy of this is understanding your league mates and really knowing what they want to do and being able to see that and differentiate that for yourself. What does that look like? And what are we looking for? What am I looking for when I'm going to really microanalyze and dissect my league mates to really utilize what you've seen on film? You have to wait for that perfect time to almost go ahead and hit that trap. Make now the situation that you've been waiting on pounce on it. And while each week, it may be every other week, depending on when I'm in New York, this week, having it a week off was perfect because it gave the rebrand time to drop for the lab and jcap has been working on a website for quite some time you may know it more as sleepier uh, he had sleepier a league manager that honestly he has been in the lab cooking on and working on for quite some time so the the dash lab lab south ff.com that's your way to get there now sleepier has a lot of new things and it's going to go perfect um to what I'm talking about with film here and even take it to a higher level, I've really been able to in the past. So very excited for the lab free on our website. Love giving tools and things which are free that you can utilize and anybody can go utilize in their leagues right now. We have some things that are paid for that I strongly suggest as well. But when we have free tools that can help you to this degree, man, it gets me so excited. Now, what I'm going to do is kind of walk you through the process that I've had for a little while here now. Um, what I like to do, uh, and this is going to actually require if you want to do it the right way and highly detailed, you're going to have to get out a notes page. Um, you don't have to actually do it pen and paper, but some way, shape or form, Notion, Google Sheets, notes in your, um, you know, note field and Apple or whatever. Note out some things that you're going to actually want to have um, for your specific leaks. So that's another thing. 
really hard to keep these highly detailed notes when you get to X specific number of leagues. But at least if you're not even going to note it, going through and kind of understanding the process behind it will give you a really good start if you want to do this in some of your leagues. So go through a league, right? The first thing you need to start doing is taking a look at the entirety of your league. So right now I'm going to pull up one of mine and it's a 12 team league. Okay. In this 12 team league, there's a lot of different type of managers and I'll give you some categories. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want to box in too, too much um, how certain people in your league may play. There's a lot of different ways to play. And I'm going to give you the old school way, kind of the ways I used to do it, and then talk about how drastically different it is nowadays with the with the addition of the lab and how much how much more ridiculously deep and detailed you can get besides just what they're doing in your leagues. But essentially, pull up the, tw the 12 teams, all right? Before you start everywhere, if, you, if this is a brand new league, you're not going to have this. But if it's a league that's been around for a while, Go ahead and go through, if you don't have a good pulse on this, you need to go through the DMs and take a look at what you've discussed. If you have any main takeaways and just context of certain trade offers or things you've discussed in DMs, jot them down. Players they're interested in. Things that you've actually gathered from them directly from DMs. Now, in the DMs, you can also see is to take a look at uh, the transactions. You can take a look at your transactions, see what, what they've sent you, what's rejected, what's completed, all that. Things you're looking for. First and foremost, how much activity are they putting in there? If you go to your DMs, how many offers have they sent you? How much trade report do you have? Jot that down. Do you have a lot? It's just a highly active person. All kinds of notes in the DMs. They'll talk to you till you're blue in the face. Okay, that's one thing. But now how many offers have they sent you? Have they sent you a ton of offers? Have they sent you a little bit of offers? Have they really not sent you many offers at all? It's just a bunch of back and forth with no real you know, ledger, no starting point. What does it look like? Then from that point, okay, now how many trades did they make um, in their leagues? So in the league with you, one thing is all these leagues have probably been renewed for the 2024 season. So this is where the lab is going to be drastically uh, more beneficial. But if you go back to last, you'll have to go to last year's, the 2023 year. How many trades did they make? Are they a high volume trader or not? Is this somebody that's made, you know, two or three trades all season? Is that typically what it is? Like they're going to make one, two, three trades. And then when you start going through them, typically those trades, they're going to look like a timing trade, right? They needed to buy a certain player. They had an injury at the quarterback position. These trades are timing based. So they're really only looking to make a move in reaction, right? To something. So they're reactionary traders. Are they high volume or low volume? If they're low volume, you need to see what you got in DMs. And realistically, why are they low volume? Are you wasting your time? Is this somebody that you're going to have to, if you want to get a deal done with them, really make the timing aspect go through? Let's say they're not quite high volume. They're their medium volume. So when you go to the league transactions, you can go and just take a look at completed trades. So in this league specifically, last season, there was 37 total trades made in the league. The start of the turnover calendar year, so about this time last year, all the way through when the playoff, uh, the trade deadline is in this league. So this is one of the leagues that does have trade deadline. I'm not in favor of that, but uh, December 10th was the last trade in this league. So from February 1st to December 10th, there was 37 trades made. Now, we're at 37 trades. Multiply that by two. Assuming there's no three-team three team trades. Now, if there is, this math will be a little off. But when you're doing two-team trades, which is the large, large majority of trades is between two managers, that means the total trades between teams, right, active teams, is going to be their 74 trades in which there's teams uh, being involved. So when you go to look at the transactions now per team and note these out. So now that you have those 74 out, you're going to get a really good sense and feel for 
who's active and who's not. You got Horns knows best with 15, Bills Mafia 12, I made 8, Badger made 8, I Wanna Shit On You made 8, Ewok Village made 7. Binary code, so all the numbers, 1, 0, 1, 0, all that, he made 6. Ginger made 5, Gleaton made 2, Ken Adams made 2, Ike Main made 1, and Spangstar made 0. Takeaways from this, what you need to be paying attention to. Okay, so I can tell you right now, Horns knows best and Bills Mafia are both very active based on this in the league relative to the league. And they're all different as far as the way they're active. But I can tell you right now, if you want to drop a conversation with either one of those two, that can happen. Um, the next group, right? And I want to shit on you. They're all going to respond, right? I, we're, I'm going to respond to you. <laughs> so will Badger. So I want to shit on you. But they're a little more selective in the deals they're making. Now, as we talked to, you can go back to episode uh, three in the Pearl. There was a specific process in mind for me here. And so each one of my deals, trying to fit a process and my first time trying this out, there were some deals that I was probably uh, a little more hesitant to make because it didn't fit the specific build. And I didn't want to veer too far from that. Badger, uh, this for him was a team that he first, for the first time, he was rebuilding in this, right? This is a team that had been pushing in for years and years. Finally, um, you know, he kind of caught up with himself and he didn't have the depth of the team that he was used to. So for him, he ended up having to, you know, take a look and all right, I'm going to have to try to rebuild. And a lot of the trades he made were probably not ones he'd made, uh, would like to have made in the past. I want to shit on you. Went for it early, really kind of pushed his chips in and nuked a lot of value in his first dynasty startup. Um, he is in the middle of a rebuild and he's doing pretty good job. But um, this was one of those big time cleanup, cleanup on aisle five. This is bad mess. So uh, he's working on coming out of that. Now, reason I put all that out there. So that basically right there between the three teams that made eight, 12 with Bills Mafia, 15 with Horns knows best. And I'll put Ewok even in this mix at seven trades. People are very willing to talk to you in the most active. So half of this league, not saying they're going to make a trade guaranteed, but if you want to drum up conversation and you're interested in doing something, you'll at least get some discourse and pretty, pretty timely responses to which each one's going to go. We can get into that in a moment, but but that's a good baseline to start with there. Okay. So then I have the next two kind of grouped in as a different category, which is uh, Ginger making five and uh, Binary Code making six. These guys both willing to play ball at times, but um, timing's a little more important. What you have on the table, what you're willing to give them, and what they actually have at their disposal, that's all going to play a big part in if they're able to make the deal. Sometimes for them, it's a little rigid as far as what they're trying to do. So it's subject to can you put that together and are you willing to? Uh, okay, so then we get to the next group. And this one here, these next four, not necessarily always this way for every one of these teams. Certain things for each one of these teams cause them to be low volume. But right now, all last year, these teams, you could go to them till you're blue in the face. And whether it's the group of players they have, the build they're in, what assets they have to get rid of and what they're willing to give up, what their price points are. You're basically looking at four teams. So you're looking at a quarter, whether it's their bad values, their specific build, what they're looking to get in return for players. Um, if they're basically completely cupboard barren as far as draft picks go and they're very rigid, they don't have much to work with, whatever the case may be, <laughs> these teams were not willing to make trades. You have to kind of appropriate that and look at that throughout the year and be like, man, when I'm watching film, I can go talk to Eichmann so I'm blue in the face. We could have great conversation, but this is unlikely to bring any type of fruitfulness, right? The combination of the players he had, which were very old veterans, uh, looking to compete, didn't have much draft picks, and the players he had were all to the aging point to where you're going to have a hard time getting any type of value out of this player. 
This is Spang Stars. This was Spang Stars last year in the league. I mean, this guy was so so inactive. Uh, you might as well have said once he paid his league dues, that was it. He you didn't hear nothing from him. Gleaton was one, one of the two trades he made was with me that giant Mahomes trade. Which man, I wish I could have that back. To be completely honest with you, we'll see how it works out long term. But would have been a better position without it. And uh, he made one other trade, which essentially was a trade back. So he traded back on one of those um, picks. He allowed I want to shit on you to come up and consolidate. So all in all here, right, I've kind of divvied up my league into people that are active, people that are mildly active, and people that aren't. And you got to be careful how much time you're spending. I'm not telling you not send out offers and people that are inactive, but be mindful of how much time you're putting in to their inactivity and why that's the case. Are are they willing to kind of talk ball with you, but nothing's ever going to come from this? Um, Are they just not active at all? And you're really wasting your time with all these offers in and out. Listen, everybody would love to have a league where there's 12 people that all love to trade and want to trade all the time and are highly active. The reality is, though, the large majority of leagues, no matter what you do, don't shake out that way. From the beginning, the reason that's important is I'm telling you right now, there's four teams in a 12-team league that were very likely to not get a trade done. You're talking about a third of teams, a third of players and assets that aren't going anywhere. They're they're kind of gridlocked. So now the, the, the reality of what the rest of the teams do, what they what their build is, what their direction is, the trades they're willing or not willing to make can make it a little more rigid. You have to play certainly into the market of this specific league. Now, when we get to watch an individual film, right? Kind of when you generically put them out, you're going to look and you're going to see, I'm looking for patterns. If I see no pattern at all, if it's just all over the map, you know, they're, they're making a trade for youth here. They're making a trade for age here. They're making a trade for picks here. If there's no rhyme or reason, and it's a lot of inconsistency with the assets they're getting, that's something I want to pay attention to right away. And I also then want to see, okay, if there's no consistency with the type of trade they're doing, the pattern isn't very clear, are they winning or losing? The first thing I'm paying attention to, because if it's once again a draw, they're winning some, they're losing some, you may not have anything on film that's distinctive. You can't necessarily distinguish what it is. But a lot of times when you do this, you can find, man, these are all inconsistent trades and they're losing a lot. Okay. This is somebody that at this point, I'm going to probably consider them a fish. Like, You just have to figure out what they're looking for to acquire from your team, and you have to kind of just explore what those are, but they can be had. Conversely, if they're making trades all over the map, all different types of trades as far as styles go, sometimes they're taking on picks, sometimes they're taking on older players, sometimes they're taking on younger players, but the pattern is they're winning a lot. This is somebody I kind of call, and I'll coin, best of both worlds. They're basically willing to do whatever it takes to accrue value. This is somebody that I'm penciling in that I'm going to have to kind of go highly detailed on later to see if they're just like a shark and somebody you got to be careful of when you're trading with. Not even saying I won't trade with them, but but I'm trying to get a feel for what their agenda is. Sometimes you can find one, sometimes you can't. When we get to patterns, a lot of times you will see a pattern. And um, a lot of managers tend to, uh, I would say the majority. Now, again, this is not one size fits all, but the majority of managers that when you see making trade in a specific one league, you will find that there tends to be a pattern in the way that they trade. Maybe here and there, some of them like just don't make sense. It could just be that they made a bad trade or they overvalued a specific player. And the first thing I'm looking for is a combination of the pattern. What are their trades look like? What trades have they been making? When you have that combined with the DM information, now what you have is different. You have film. You have what they're doing in the league. <laughs> Whether it's versus you or versus somebody else, you have what they're doing and what they're comfortable doing. A lot of times you'll see patterns. This person likes to consolidate. Man, they they are willing to send some crazy deals 
in a consolidation effort, right? I'm looking for these patterns and I'm looking to see the frequency of the trades. Now I can get myself a very good gauge of what these managers do. High volume, medium volume, low volume. Appropriate how much time you should be spending. The low volume traders, if I'm going to spend some time with them, I'm looking at what these trades are. And a lot of times you'll find it's either just crazy value, like they just got over on somebody. So they're only going to take a deal which is super lopsided in their favor, or it's a timing trade, right? <clears throat> they make a trade for a quarterback in Superflex. And you can tell based on the roster, oh man, <laughs> Justin Herbert went down. No wonder, no wonder they made this trade, right? It's timing based trades and it's reactionary trades. So I can send them offers till I'm blue in the face, but basically I need to wait until something happens catastrophically to their roster. And then I might be able to pounce and I want to be the first one to the punch. Now I can tell you while going through these trades on certain teams, like Bill's Mafia, for example, I can clearly distinguish. He is someone that will forgo all of his draft capital. He is leaning into the forever contender. And if one day it breaks down, it'll be very interesting to see. He has yet to do that. But let me give you an idea. All right. First trade here that he made this calendar season of 2023. He traded for George Pickens. He sent away a 2025 first of Ike Mains. He sent away the 2024 second back to Horns Knows Best. And he sent a 2025 third for George Pickens. Don't kill. Don't shoot the messenger, man. I'm just I'm just reading you what it is like. He was literally willing to go get George Pickens, get rid of these picks because fuck them picks. That's what he's talking about. He's acquiring Devin Singletary for Josh Palmer. Actually ended up being um, sorry. He sent away Devin Singletary for Josh Palmer. Ended up being a rough move for him. This is a half PPR lineup start nine league for the record. He acquired Dallas Goddard in the 23 fourth for the pair of Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard. My goodness. Oh, Lordy. He acquires Joe Mixon and Isaiah Likely for Zamir White. A 26 first, 26 second, 26 third, 26 fourth, and 25 fourth. And wouldn't you know, this is like a couple days after the 26 picks became available. Buck them picks. Point is, uh, without reading all the rest of these trades here, right? You can see the pattern of his trades. Very easy to distinguish, right? He is looking to go get players. He wants to try to push all of his picks in. He does not care about leveraging picks. Reading off another roster here. So um, let me just give you an idea of what I'm talking about when I say you're team building for this youthful a juggernaut, but also super young. And they're not really willing to embrace any crusty. This is what this team currently is assembled as of right now at the end of the 23 season. Brees Hall, uh, C.D. Lamb, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks, Jamar Chase, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Trey Sermon, Jalen Waddle, uh, TJ Hawkinson, J.K. Dobbins, Kenneth Walker. He does have Joshua Dobbs. That would be the one semblance of a crusty, but price of acquisition for him was $100 on waivers this year when it looked like he was going to be a starter. So blew his whole fab budget on Josh Dobbs. Only reason a player like that exists on his team. Now, clearly here you get the pattern where you're seeing such a strong tie to young dynasty value. A lot of the dynasty value is tied up in the youth and projecting that all that youth is going to hit. You also see, because of all the names he held on to, because he believed in this young talent, that he basically rode into the ground. J.K. Dobbins, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. And when you see this stuff and you can kind of make that pattern, the takeaway for yourself here, while currently there's no aging vets on his roster to really go pluck, those are the type of players, however he was to acquire him, that you're looking to go get those vets in a 4D type move. I'm going to trade you someone young, for some of these old guys, I think you probably don't value or take some picks so that you can get this young, sexy roster together, right? In an effort to get that from you, you get what you want. I know what you want. I, in return, get something that I believe is more valuable or that I believe I can flip, has a better flippability based on my market, based on knowing all my other league mates as well. Under trades, once you get to that tab, 
right first thing you're going to see is price check and then you'll see league mate trades now price check what's really dope about it so when i go through team reviews with people i will go through and have a kind of a sense of between adp what i've seen in keep trade cut what i've seen in my leagues kind of penciling in when i'm looking at other league mates for you in, in this team review i can kind of take values and come up with ways to figure out okay in this league you're looking to find a quarterback and super flex you have a lot of assets but you need to tear up <clears throat> let's just say that's the scenario watching film on you briefly you're kind of in agreement okay this is what we're looking to do now i'm looking across the different 11 teams in your league to see all right now that we know what we want to do where the goal is how are we going to make it happen let's say you know i have uh, some I have an idea like I, you want to try to tear up for this quarterback or for a specific rookie pick you're trying to get it now before the value really takes off to a different direction how are we going to make that happen what does it look like I can probably pencil together based on your assets and their assets what we're trying to grab but let's say hypothetically you're not so sure about the values and what's happening in the market what's happening in the real world so this is where price check comes in trades so you'll say it'll say search player now search player actually also means pick too so let's say you want to try to go get the 101 now when you click that 101 first thing you're going to see is 51 trades when you watch this it might be more so it's it's actually for the 2024 season as soon as its calendar is flipped over to 24 there's been 51 trades on sleeper involving the 101 pick if you were just to look and say all right i just want to kind of see what the 101 goes for this one was the 105 the 107 and demario douglas for the 101 big thing to pay attention to right it's a dynasty lineup league you'll see that there in yellow you'll see the actual league name multiple scoregasms very nice then you'll also see one quarterback now the thing to pay attention to is just because it says one quarterback don't stop there okay it's literally going to start spitting out to you the position so it's going to say one quarterback and then one super flex that means it's a super flex league one quarterback, one super flex, two tight end, and it's a 0.75 tight end premium. Next one is a two quarterback and a super flex trade. That's a three quarterback league. That's, oh my goodness. And given that, we got the 101 being acquired for Keaton Mitchell, George Pickens in the 106. Loud. That doesn't seem consensual whatsoever. Anyway, you'll keep going down, right? And you'll eventually scroll, scroll. You'll see all these different trades. You might come across one like this where it's one quarterback, no super flex, and that is going to make it a lot different. So you'll see it's 104, 112, Elijah Moore for the 101. Anyway, this will give you a pulse. Now, let's say specifically for you, you're like, okay, let's say you got a specific player, right? And you're like, all right, what, what can I, I have player X and I need to get to 101. What does that really look like? All right, let, let's, let's try a few things in here. Let's get spicy to see if we can really get your brain churning. Let's say you're hopeful. You're like Magneta. You, you think Bryce Young um, is still that guy. Is there any trades out there if I want to go from Bryce Young to 101? And what the hell is it going to cost me? There is one. Okay. On January 17th, we have in a one quarterback, one super flex. So it's a, it's a super flex league, one tight end um, with a full premium. This trade is Bryce Young, Jackson Smith and Jigba and James Cook for the 101. It's a dynasty lineup league. All right, Adam. I mean, that's kind of cool, but you're just telling me this is, this is just real-time trades. That's all? Not so fast, my friends. You go to the league mate trades next, okay? Across my 26 leagues, my league mate trades, there has been 1,412 trades across all those league mates in all their different leagues. You're talking a web that just goes to different, crazy different lengths. All these leagues with Jcap, who's in over 100 leagues. I got Mike in 40-some leagues now. You could just go through and kind of pull through and see what some of these trades are across your different league mates. But when I really want to dial in, right, if I'm trying to navigate and film watch, so there's a couple different things you can do, okay? Again, you could just search a specific player. Let's say you got Travis Kelsey. Um, across all the league mates that I have, there's been 18 trades of Travis Kelsey. So you could go through and see 
what some of these trades look like, right? Uh, here's one I'm looking at. One for one, Jake Ferguson. Uh, Michael Mayer and Dontavian Wicks. Wow, on a tight end premium. Anyway, you can go through and do that. But what I really want to do, right? Let me search by manager. All right, let's pull up Fizzle, man. Let's see what Fizzle's done. So Fizzle has made two trades. Um, man, would you look at this? This is shocking. Fizzle picks up Dak Prescott. Picks up Dak Prescott, Cooper Cup, a 24 second and fourth in exchange for Devontae Adams to a 24 second and fourth. Now, if I didn't know Fizzle, I may be trying to pay attention and see, okay, Dak Prescott. All right. And then maybe I'm starting to see across the leagues when I look at all his different leagues and see he's got a lot of Cowboys on his team, right? This one's an easy layup because I already know that, but you can actually find all this in the lab and start seeing across all the leagues that you're also not in. One of the things that you can't just do while looking through your leagues. While it's very important to look at your market because you may see a manager on film be extremely capable of doing a lot of different things across his leagues. What he's doing in yours is the first place you should pay attention to. But when you start looking across leagues, there's some other patterns you may be able to find in the lab. All right, so let's pull up a guy that I actually don't typically have a bunch of trade rapport with. He's always trying to cuck me. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Anyway, let's take a look. Max Fire, okay? So I'm in the league with Max Fire, and I can see that he's made five trades so far. He actually has made one with Shane Sess uh, in a Dynasty Trades in Five listener league, the OG league. Um, he's also in Who's Your Daddy Invitational, a few trades here. So I can look across these and see what type of trades they are. Now, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see if they actually pair me up anything. But let's click on this trade he made with Shane. What it's going to do, actually, is it's going to cross between the trade that was just made with Shane. It's going to take the pieces in the deal that he sent away. So when you click on this, it's going to actually give you leads. Now, leads is basically going to say potential acquisitions and potential flips. So in the league that we're in snake balls, potential acquisitions is going to say a 2025 round three pick. The trade he made with Shane was the 108 and Christian Watson for um, that's what Max Fire is receiving. He sent away a 25 third, David and Joku Deshaun Watson. Now, potential acquisition of a 25 third, that doesn't really help me a ton in this specific one. So let's go ahead and do this with Liebert, man. Odds are there is no leads because he don't ever want to trade with me. He always you know, just thinks I'm trying to get over on him. But let's take a look. He's made eight trades since all these leagues have rolled over. So he made the trade with Untitled 2, um, in which, right, he makes a trade T. Higgins and Nico Swap. Boom. What's beautiful about this, this is a player for player, one for one, in which he is acquiring Nico Collins and sending away T. Higgins. This is what's so beautiful about this is I can see in a one for one trade, he prefers Nico to T. Let's say in this scenario that I have these guys in the same tier, which by the way, I do. And be honest with you, I think I, I still probably slightly prefer T. Okay. This is one of these where now we're cooking and we're in a bunch of leagues together. If I was to make this, and let's say I don't have them in the same tier, or I think I want to make this same trade, or I can take something from this trade, like, all right, he's, he's a little cooler on T than I am. What this is going to do in leads is going to clearly say to me, potential acquisitions, player, T Higgins, in best balls, boom. All right, so he's got T Higgins in best balls league. So I can click that, go take a look and see if I want to do something there. It'll also tell me, okay, potential flips, Nico Collins. I got Nico Collins in shit auction three take a look at my shit auction three three league maybe this is a rebuild that i have and i'm looking to get off a guy like nico collins boom got a perfect opportunity to see a pattern uh this one here is a, just a player for player right but you may see so many other different patterns and trades that they're making you may see as this list grows longer they're constantly looking to get into nico collins right they may be totally cool on t higgins they don't want to wait to see what free agency has to say they may maybe liebert thinks t higgins isn't really that good doesn't matter where he goes um You'll see here he made a trade with Beware the Hair. 25 first and a 25 second. Liebert is liquidating 
Drake London for a first and a second. You're seeing that he's willing to liquidate Drake London in a certain build. There is literally so many different ways within using the lab that you can essentially enhance your ability to watch film and get deeper information on your league mates and possibly find trends or things and ways in which they play player values. They, they may value certain specific players. They may be partial to their favorite receiver or quarterback. And you can kind of look across your leagues and see, okay, maybe I have that person. One thing that I would suggest now, as you go through this, you go through your specific league, you see the type of trades they're making. You go through and, and assess every single one of the managers in your league. What type of trades are they making? Are they high or low volume? Of the trades which were made in the league last year, somebody could be high volume, but the overall volume in your league is low, right? So relative to the volume of total trades in your league, where were they at? And then kind of group them, categorize them, high volume, mid volume, low volume. Assess how much they're talking with you in DMs. Look at your history. Look at your trade offer history. Kind of put all these things in context and then put in notes on e each one of these people. Who are they targeting? What type of players were they targeting? Is there a pattern? Start getting the pattern out. Look at the transactions they're making with other managers in your league. Now, when you start to find these patterns, there's going to be some that you can't necessarily pinpoint. There are some managers that are so sporadic, there's not going to be something that you can actionably take. But even if it's not as simple as a pattern, see what you can find between all their trades. A lot of times, if you do enough digging, you'll see some sort of consistency, even if it's odd. Or for you, is so different than the way you trade it's going to feel odd. There, there's a lot of different things you'll find. But as you do that, put a little light bulb in there. That's what I like to do for an idea, right? Or like this kind of clicked for me. Put that little emoji in there like, boom, this is clicked. I've been looking at trading with this specific manager thinking he wants to rebuild. And because I'm looking at it from my lens, oh yeah, you, you got to rebuild. I constantly am trying to send you picks and I'm even feeling like I'm overpaying with draft picks. But you look at the transaction they're making and they're buying Christian McCaffrey. You know, they're tr constantly making little tear ups and they don't even have enough depth. They're going completely against what you possibly could have imagined. And whenever you find those things, you now can see, okay, what they were trading to you, what you were trading to them. Where is there a language barrier here? Where is it like the way I'm playing defense is not going to help me at all. Maybe this is one of those where I need to go ahead and give him the baseline. That's what he wants to do. He's going to hang himself. I'm going to go trap him down there. But I'm going to take his future pick because he still thinks he can compete. And I'd rather have that pick. I think I can flip it for more anyway once this person is very likely to miss the playoffs. There's so many things that you can do here that are basically going to get you on the same wavelength and allow you to benefit from seeing the way that somebody plays. Ultimately, what you're looking to do is gather as much information as possible to get on the same page with these people. Become a chameleon. Really be versatile and learn a lot of different strategies we're going to talk about here because the more you know, you're going to be able to find the value through the league mates. And once you find that value, boom, zig to that value. Ultimately, the goal is to find the value in that specific market. And the only way you can do that is by understanding the individuals in your league and to scout them. Get the scouting report, man. Get your scouting report and figure out what your league mates are doing. As you've heard from the OG days, when we first started over 100 episodes ago, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That, in a nutshell, is understanding your league mates and figuring out how to one-up them or stay ahead of them as far as trades go. It's not always gonna work out perfect for you. Nobody trades at 100% clip. Nobody makes perfect moves. But by knowing everybody in your league, you're gonna be one step ahead where they're trying to go and you can ultimately decide to make pivots accordingly and you'll put yourself in a position to drastically improve as a dynasty manager and take the next step 
and becoming highly detailed.